This is God's Word, starting in Matthew chapter 1. We'll read verses 18 through 25 together. This might be the most important moment of your week. Amen? Might be. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. And this all took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, we thank you for your love and compassion. We thank you for your godly love for us. Lord, we do fall on our knees this morning in worship. You're the God who's in control. You're sovereign. You're good. You sent your son, Jesus, at the exact right moment, at the exact right time to save us from our sins and give us eternal life. And, oh God, we thank you for your word and how the Holy Spirit uses that word get a hold of our hearts. God, you're moving. You're moving at 8.30. You're moving now. We love it. We invite you to come and penetrate our minds with your divine truth. Lord, lead us. Thank you for Jesus. And Lord, may the Christmas bells, may they not ring only on a church steeple, but they, may they ring in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, again, praise God. Thank you that you're here. My name's Josh, if you don't know me, and I'm the preaching pastor here at church. And uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and open up to Matthew 1, Matthew chapter 1. And as you're in Matthew 1, can I give you a prayer request, a church prayer project? I think it'd be good for all of us to pray for snow. Amen. Let's do it. Oh, I got some no's here. I got some, a lot of yeses. Hey, if it's going to be this cold, let's just pray for it. Let's get some white stuff down here. Man, I didn't think I, asking for a prayer for snow would have a church split, but you never know, you know? All right, listen. So our, our message um, series is kind of the message of Christmas. And we are officially into like Christmas week. You can feel it. You can sense it. It's exciting. It's good. Christmas Eve next Sunday. And my sermon title this morning is A Savior is Born. A Savior is Born. We talked about anticipation last week. The Savior anticipated. 
And this week, we're looking at the Savior actually arriving, Jesus being born of a virgin, Mary. This is Advent. This is the miracle of Christmas. Now, you can see it in verse 18 and in verse 25. So I want you to open up your Bibles and look there. In verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. There's the birth. And then in verse 25, it says, He knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus. We are all about the Savior being born. God taking on flesh. Eternal Jesus coming down, taking on the form of human likeness to save us from our sins. Few things bring more joy to our lives than newborn babies. Can I get amen? Just those little newborn babies. And we love those babies. And my, I remember like yesterday when my oldest Marie was born, 17 and a half years ago. And I remember being in Mercy Hospital. And it was the old Mercy where you're up on like floor seven or floor eight. And I remember when my family all came in and there were tiny rooms. And just the whole place was packed to the gills. And my oldest brother took Marie in his arms and just, I mean, it was like a death grip. I'm like, bro, calm it down. And he's, I mean, he was just like, all my brothers played football in high school and in college. And he looked like he was carrying the football across the goal line. And I was a little worried. And he said, I'm her uncle. It's my job to protect her. You know, it was a really cool moment. But there's nothing like newborn babies. And our church has experienced a lion's share over the years. A lion's share of babies. And I think that's a sign of church health. I think it's amazing when you have a lot of new babies everywhere. That's a sign of church health. But babies should always be a celebration of a God-fearing culture. Amen? Babies are not an inconvenience. They are not a curse. They are a blessing from God. And they should always be celebrated. Yay! How much more... The birth of Jesus Christ, the God-man, coming into flesh and taking form of a swaddling, clothed baby, right? That is worth celebrating. Now, Advent, as you remember, is an important arrival. It's the arrival of Jesus Christ to the earth. And who is writing about this arrival? We are in Matthew this morning. So Matthew's gospel was written by Matthew, okay? Now, if you don't know much about Matthew, I'm going to give you some background. Matthew, in his gospel, he was formerly a tax collector named Levi. And Jesus found him, and he was a bad news guy, full of sin. Jesus found him, saved him, transformed him, and gave him a new name. Isn't Jesus always doing that? Don't you love that? Just renaming people. Comes around, he says, you're not Simon anymore, you're Peter. And he looks at Levi, he says, you're not Levi anymore, you're Matthew. And Matthew means gift of the Lord. How cool is that? That's what his name means. And no doubt, uh, Matthew writes his gospel with a sense of grace, a sense of mercy, a sense of gratitude, a sense of joy for what God has done in his life. And it's so cool that his name means the gift of the Lord. And he spends his first couple chapters talking about the arrival of the gift of the Lord, Jesus Christ. How cool is that? To build some context in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew opens his chapter 
with a genealogy of Joseph's line, which all God's people says sounds boring. Amen? You're talking to me about a genealogy? You know, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so and so and then this person, and then this person, and then this person, all the generations. It sounds boring. It's actually quite amazing. Because he's going from Abraham to David to Joseph. And Abraham to David to Joseph, it covers all types of people. Did you know all kinds of sinners are included in the line of Christ? Did you know that? That's really good news for all kinds of sinners in the house. Amen? Here's what I mean. In Matthew chapter 1, in the genealogy, the line of Jesus Christ includes sexually immoral people. Any sexual sinners in the house? Rahab, Tamar, Bathsheba. I mean, big time sinful wrecks and very, very controversial situations. That's included in the line of Christ. How about poor immigrants? There's Ruth included and her story with Naomi, a poor immigrant in the line of Christ. How about people who start strong and finish weak? You know, like Uzziah, he starts really great and then he finishes really terribly. Uh, any of you ever started a project and not finished it? Can I get an amen? Come on now. Yeah, you would relate to Uzziah, right? And there's also people who start weak and finish strong, like Manasseh. Manasseh started terribly and he finished really well. And then there's a whole list in Christ's genealogy of overlooked and forgotten people. People we don't know the names of people who are, exist in generations of lists of people. We don't even know their names, but they're in the line of Jesus, which means to be in the line of Christ, all you have to do is be a sinner and Jesus can relate to you. Amen? That's pretty cool. But now in Matthew chapter 1, as we come ultimately to Joseph, we're going to get Joseph's side of the story. Last week we talked about Elizabeth and Mary, and we got the woman's side of the story in Luke chapter 1. Now we are in Matthew chapter 1, seeing Joseph... And ultimately, this young carpenter is betrothed or promised to marry. Now, you might say, well, they're just engaged. So what? What's the big deal? This is not American engagement, okay? This is real engagement. This is like powerful engagement, betrothal. It's like being married. And they were, it was a binding agreement that only could be broken by an official divorce. This is why you see um, Joseph trying to divorce her quietly because it was already a done deal that they were going to be married. So that is the background of the passage that we're looking at. Here's my big idea this morning as we dig into the text. The message of Christmas finds its full meaning in Jesus being born. And then we're going to see how this miracle applies into our lives and, and how it arrived. Because Jesus being born, that's a pretty miraculous thing. How did that happen exactly? Break it down for me, Pastor. Break it down for me in the Word. How did that occur? I'm going to give you three ways in which that occurred. And then we're going to make application as we go. And as, as a note, as a sermon note, Christmas needs to be applied in Christian circles today. Christmas needs to be applied. What do I mean? Here's what I mean. We live in this crazy time of year, in this crazy situation, where we will hear the first Noel in the mall as we're shopping. We will hear joy to the world at Menards. 
Sorry, I've been at Menards a lot, a lot these last couple of weeks. We will hear all these Christian gospel songs in public spaces, and it's just easy to like hum along. I'll add that to my car, you know. Silent night, that's so cool. Like every secular unbeliever is singing Christian music right now. It's not that we don't understand the danger of Christmas for us is that we can walk through this Christmas season and we can read through the Christmas story and we can have almost zero intention of applying the truth of the incarnation to our lives. Like zero. And I want to encourage you to apply this to your life. This matters. Jesus' arrival matters. Now, it's very important, but how did it come? It came in three ways. Way number one is a divine message. The birth of Christ came through a divine message, verses 18 through 20. His mother Mary had been betrothed. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Jesus' birth came through a divine message. Mary is pregnant, and and again, we documented that well in Luke chapter 1 last week. Matthew is focusing on Joseph's side of the story. And in Joseph's side, he's a just man. He's an honorable man. He loves the word of God. He obeys the word of God. If you meet Joseph, he's a young man that you're like, I like that guy. That guy fears God. He loves the Bible. I like him. That is who Joseph is. Now, he is resolved to divorce Mary quietly because he's a man of honor. He doesn't want to shame her or hurt her. And let's be honest, this would be incredibly hard news to take. Can I get an amen? This would be hard news to take. Picture yourself as Joseph. Mary comes to you and says, the woman you love, the woman you are tied to legally to get married comes to you and says, Joseph, sweetheart, I've been impregnated. Say what? Yeah, don't worry though. Don't worry. I know that's a lot to take in, but don't worry. God did it. (laughs) God did that? Yeah, God God did it. Don't worry. The the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit actually um, caused me to be pregnant. So I'm pregnant, but it's not what you think it is. Right, 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 right. Okay. So you can see Joseph's in a position where he's just, this is hard to take. There's no human way you're buying that. There's no human way. There is no way on God's green earth you are going to believe that your engaged fiance is pregnant by God. There's no way. So all of us would be in Joseph's position Though most of us would not be honorable like Joseph and do it privately, most of us would be like, oh yeah, I'm going to the papers with this. I'm going to social media with this. You know, I'm angry. I'm hurt. Joseph is struggling. And you notice that he's struggling in verse 20. He's considering these things. He's, the night before he's going to do this, he is thinking, I'm I'm getting divorced tomorrow. I'm going to go do it. And as he's considering or pondering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. 
An angel shows up right on time to give God's word to the right guy at the right time. And the angel tells Joseph, don't be afraid. Do you know angels always tell people that when they show up? They're always saying, don't be afraid. And all God's people said, I'd be afraid. I mean, angels are freaky. They're scary. Sometimes angels look like humans, but most of the time angels look like angels. And if you read Revelation, it's even more scary. Some of the Revelation angels are like, get me out of here. This is some sort of crazy dream, right? So don't be afraid. Okay. Take Mary as your wife. Okay. And angel tells Joseph, the baby is from the Holy Spirit. She's not lying to you. She's telling you the truth. And so this word comes right on time. And church, here's the application. We have an on-time God. Amen? We have an on-time God. When does God show up? He gets his word to his person at the right time, right when they need it. Have you ever noticed that in your Christian life? That you get a word from God right when you need it? Like, like you're struggling with a situation, you're struggling with um, a circumstance, a person, a relationship, and God will send a scripture to you. He'll send a person to you. He'll send his word to you somehow, some way, right when you need it. God is an on-time God. And I would just tell you that this morning, as you're going, coming into Christmas, this divine message was right on time. And if you're a Christian, you should be on the lookout all the time. When you look out, at your life, what do you see? Some of you see nothing but burden and it's terrible and nothing's going to go well. Some of you are more naturally optimistic and you're like, it's all going to be great. Don't worry about it. But here's the thing. As a Christian, you should come into every day anticipating that God's going to show up right on time with his word in your life right when you need it. Now, Joseph needed this divine message. He needed it to make sense of his circumstances. He needed it to speak into his personal struggles. And God is an on-time God. Just on Thursday, I was officiating a funeral. And I got up to speak. Okay, so this funeral home, it holds about 50 people. There's like 120 people there. I mean, it's just packed to the gills. And I get up, and I'm going to officiate. And I look, it's packed full Three rows up to the right, to my right, is a gal that used to visit Living Waters with her girls. And I'm like, get out of here. Get out of here. I mean, it's just internal pastor monologue. I didn't say that out loud. But there she is with her daughters. I'm like, yes, I get to preach the gospel. This is so great. And I preach the gospel. And at the end of the service... Um, I, I was able to make my way over there and say hi to her. And she came up to me and she's like, Pastor, get out of here. This is a divine moment. I didn't expect to see you here. And I'm like, I didn't expect to see you here either. And she said, this was my moment with God. How cool is that? Divine moment at the divine time to get God's word to the right person, to the right, play, in, to the right people at the right reason. This is amazing. Jesus' birth came. How did it come? Through a divine message. Secondly, it came through a powerful name. Jesus, his birth came through a powerful name. Verses 21 through 23. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. The virgin will conceive, bear a son. They'll call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
Jesus' birth comes through a powerful name. So first of all, Matthew loves to talk about fulfilled prophecy. He drops Isaiah 7, which I'm sure you remember my sermon from two weeks ago, with perfect memory. Amen? All God's people said, what? What are you talking about? But Isaiah 7 is a theme of prophecy being fulfilled. And Matthew loves to talk about fulfilled prophecy. Twelve times in his gospel, he's going to talk about prophecy being fulfilled by Jesus, which is amazing. That's a sermon in and of itself. We will move on. I digress. The angel said his name was to be Jesus. Jesus means Jehovah saves or Jehovah savior. Jesus came on a mission. His mission is in his name. Jesus Christ came to save sinners from their sin, which means humankind has one basic overarching need above all other needs, and that is to be saved, to be in a right relationship with the creator God. There is nothing more important than someone knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Church, can I get a Christmas amen? That is why Jesus came. His name means salvation, which means he's on a mission to find every kind of sinner he can and bring them into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the name of Jesus. Now, this is good because Jesus didn't give him an education name. God didn't give Jesus an education name, right? Though he did educate, he taught. Jesus was not mainly an educator. Jesus did not get a medical name. He didn't get a medical, it's not Dr. Jesus, right? Remember Dr. Quinn, medicine woman? Remember that? It's not Dr. Jesus, you know, miracle man, you know? It's, it's, he would heal, he would do signs, he would do all those things, but he mainly came to save. Notice Jesus didn't get a political name. Can I drop some political bombs on you right now? He did not get the title Caesar. That is not his name. Though he would shake Rome and Jerusalem with his ministry. He is not mainly a political savior. Jesus came to save people from their sins, both Republican and Democrat. Hallelujah. There is no name like Jesus' name. There is no name given among men on earth by which you must be saved. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says that there is no name like Jesus' name. What a beautiful name it is. You know that song? What a beautiful name it is. Jesus, name above all names. There's no name like the name of Jesus. And he came to be Emmanuel to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 7. And you'll remember Isaiah 7 was written 700 years before this moment. And here it is, the, the, the absolute fulfillment. Emmanuel is God with us. Do you remember from two weeks ago, Emmanuel came to save the sinful mess that is the world. That's why Jesus came. He came down to save humans because God always comes down to dwell with his people. Did you know God is on a mission to dwell with you? Did you know that? That's amazing. Grace. Jesus is Emmanuel and he would eat curds and honey. You remember that part? The curds and honey? We would have an Emmanuel who would come and relate to sinners and prostitutes and tax collectors and all kinds of sinners are getting saved. They're meeting Jesus because they believe in who he is. That is our beautiful Jesus. He comes with a powerful name. You don't save anybody. Can I get an amen? You don't save anybody. 
This church does not save anybody. Living Waters Fellowship does not save anybody. Jesus saves people. Jesus Christ saves people. There is power in his name. And it's his name alone. And may the name of Jesus be powerful in this church evermore. And may the name of Christ be powerful in our lives. Amen? If you don't know what to say to somebody as you're witnessing to them, give them the name of Jesus Christ, right? You don't have to have your doctorate in bibliology. Just tell them about Jesus. Jesus' birth comes with a powerful name. Way number three is obedient name, obedient faith. Jesus' birth came through obedient faith. And we're going to end our time with this point. Verse 24 and 25, Joseph woke from sleep and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and he took his wife and knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. So many beautiful truths here in these two verses. First of all, Jesus' birth came through obedient faith. Joseph woke up from his sleep and he obeyed the divine commandment. That is amazing grace. He wakes up and he's like, that was a word from God. That was an angelic word from God. I'm going to go obey it. That is so not like us. Can I get an amen? That is so not. Most of us don't know who we are when we wake up or where we're at. Right? It gets harder and harder. Like you wake up, you're like, I don't know who I am. Where am I? What's happening? It takes us anywhere between one and 60 minutes to like get your stuff together, right? For me, I'm just like, where is my Keurig? Where's the Keurig? Where's it at? I need to go find it. But I'm not necessarily thinking about interpreting divine revelation. When I wake up, I'm just thinking, I've survived. I survived. That's most of us. Joseph wakes up. He obeys the divine commandments. He is ready to be obedient. He is an impressive young man that God is shining his grace down on this guy. He's resolved. He's honorable. He's humble. And he is obedient to follow God's word. Are you obedient to follow God's word? Joseph is obedient in the hard things, things he doesn't understand. Are you obedient in the things you don't understand right now? There are things that you don't understand that you're like, yeah, Lord, I'll I'll obey you someday, but not right now. I want to understand it a little bit more. Joseph was obedient. Obedience to God's word is evidence that you are genuinely saved. If you are genuinely born again and a believer in Jesus Christ, you will obey when the rubber meets the road of your life. Some of you, just filling your head with stuff. You're just filling your head. Hey, give me more knowledge. Give me more sermons. Pastor, preach better sermons. Preach me more sermons. I have Bible study. And you're filling up your mind and you're not obeying with your life. And some of the pain in your life is because you're not obedient right now. You're stunting your growth spiritually. And I would encourage you, be like Joseph. Be obedient to the word of God. It's a measurement of your spiritual health. Read the book of James and see that faith and works are tied together in beauty. Joseph took Mary as his wife and he remained sexually pure for the duration of Mary's pregnancy. And all God's people said, whoa, that's amazing. Sexually pure for the entirety of the whole thing. That's wild. In our 
culture of sexual deviancy and we are so over-sexualized and we are so running amok in sexual sin, that verse shines like the sun. That's amazing. God empowered both of them to obey God, to find more delight in God, more joy in God than they did their sexual pleasure or what they would view to be their sexual rights. And may God help those of you who are struggling with sexual purity to latch a hold of this verse and say, God, if you did it for Joseph and Mary, you can do it for us. And again, as a rebuke of our culture today, it's rare to find a young couple that is holding themselves, abstaining towards sexual purity before marriage. And it is a sad commentary on our culture today. Now, I've got to get off, on my little rap, on my, off my little soapbox here, but I'm just telling you, that is a verse that matters. And we should be sexually pure in our conduct. Joseph called his name Jesus. He called his name Jesus. Now, don't fly by this verse. This is an amazing verse. Consider how beautiful and how hard it was for Joseph to name a baby that is not genetically his. Wow. You want to talk about blended family? Anybody want to talk about blended family and adoption? This is a powerful sense of scripture right here. You are seeing Joseph do what is hard and both and beautiful. Blended families coming together, adopting the son of God, even though he's not your genetic son. This is the beauty of what Joseph is doing by grace. And this passage finishes with Mary giving birth. Jesus is born. It finishes with Jesus being born. The infinite taking on infancy. Jesus went from heaven to hay bales. That's super humbling. He went from the heights of glory to a humble stable. And he does it so beautifully. This is how God works. The gospel always leads to this beautiful arrival every single time. And I just, I just contrast. It's just been a fresh week of contrast in my life. Jesus moved from heaven to earth seamlessly. I mean, beautifully. Y'all, I, I just moved my house this week. We moved in the same neighborhood from one house to another house. I look at Jesus' arrival and my arrival. Those are two radically different things. I see, I got stuff in boxes in my garage still that I'm like, I have no idea what is in there. I lost it. Will I ever find it again? I got items. I got a list of items going on right now that my, my daughters are like, Dad, where's this, 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 this? Like, noted. We got about 600 more boxes to go through. I'm, through. I'm sure it's in one of them, right? It's so hard. And those of you who have moved, you know, it's so hard. It's just like all these details. Jesus Christ comes from heaven, heaven, glory, majesty, space, unseen realm. And he seamlessly comes down into this earth to dwell amongst sinners like us. That is amazing grace. He is born to go to that cross, born to bleed born to shed his blood on the cross for your sins and mine, for the payment, and rise again to give us hope. When we die, what is our hope in life and death? Christ alone. 
So as we close this sermon, the message of Christmas finds its full meaning in Jesus being born. And this miracle has arrived and it should apply in our lives and change our lives. It takes a divine message and a powerful name and an obedient faith. We're going to sing the Christmas bells song again. And I want, to, I want you to think about this as we close. Is Jesus Christ ringing the bells of your heart? He comes down to save your soul and to change your life. Is he ringing the bells of your heart? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. You're so good. Your word is so powerful. Joseph is a unbelievable example of a sinner who is saved by grace and used by God to be obedient to the divine message. And Lord, we're just like Joseph. We come from a sinful genealogy. Our family is full of problems and sin and nobody's perfect down here, God. And yet it's your grace that saves us. It's your grace that calls us to a divine message, the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel and empowers us to obey and to live a life different than what we were born to live a new life full of 